This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Mario's Gentlemen's Club. We have the most beautiful women you'll find somewhere between Los Angeles and Orange County. Mario's Gentlemen's Club is 24 hours a day, be it the 4th of July or the end of the world. So come on down and celebrate the nation's independence with us. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's the 4th of July on Pod Cemetery with 1996's Independence Day and 2006's I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer. That's right. If you listen to our last episode, we said we were going to be watching You Are Not Alone from 2014 because that takes place on the 4th of July. Nix that idea because it is impossible to find anywhere. I don't know why these companies, like, why, why? <laughs> so frustrating. But anyways, we're instead going to be watching All Always Know What You Did Last Summer. And, and ending is, that franchise. Yeah, we're going to be done, right? There aren't any others, are there? No, there's only three as far as I know. Yeah, okay. Well, if they make, I'm sure they'll make a four. <laughs> this is also sort of an off-cycle episode. You might have seen it show up in your feed a little bit earlier than normal. Because we missed last week. Or you might consider it later. And we wanted to get in before 4th of July for this week's episode. So you won't be seeing a new episode on this coming Tuesday because that's this one right here. Yes. Let's start off with our first movie, which everyone knows. 1996's Independence Day. Written by Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich and directed by Roland Emmerich. Starring Will Smith, Bill Pullman, Jeff Goldblum, Randy Quaid, Vivica Fox, Mary McDonald, Judd Hirsch, Robert Loja. Whoa, Robert Loja! Really? James Rebhorn, Harvey Firestein, Adam Baldwin, Brent Spiner, and Harry Connick Jr., amongst many, many others. What is Independence Day about, Kelsey? Aliens are invading the Earth, and we gotta fight back. Yeah. I remember this whole marketing campaign of ID4, and you don't remember it being called that? No, this came out what year? 96. So, and it came out on the 4th, so I was... Or thereabouts, yeah. 96, you said? Yeah. So, I was 8. <laughs> I had no idea about marketing campaigns. No, this is very much marketed as ID4. Apparently, that's because that's what they were calling it, because they weren't sure they were going to be able to call it Independence Day because Warner Brothers owned the rights to that name, I guess, which is really weird. The name of Independence Day? Yeah, uh-huh. Okay. And so, there were plenty of other names that they were potentially going to call it, but they were all bad. <laughs> like Invasion. I mean, come on. We watched Independ a movie called The Independence Invasion. Independence Day. Independence Day. <laughs> the movie is available on HBO, so if you have a subscription there, or on something called Sun NXT or Next. Never heard of it. Like, stop making streaming services. Jesus. <laughs> you can rent it for $4 on most services and buy it for $15 
or 14 on Redbox. You can save a dollar on Redbox. Should people watch Independence Day? I mean, if you haven't seen it, you should just because it's famous. And I mean, you know, Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum are always a good time. So, I mean, I you should see it. Yeah, it also I burns through I, most of its horror elements about halfway through or maybe a little bit more than halfway through. Right. I it mean, becomes like, just a just an action movie. This but that's is a okay. ridiculous movie, but yeah. it's fun. So. It's a summer blockbuster type, yeah. you know? Yeah. Here's the ultimate question, Kelsey. Should they watch the extended edition? No. That's not pointless. Do that. It's like eight extra minutes of shit. Bullshit. That you don't want to see. Totally unnecessary bullshit with Randy Quaid's family. Yeah, um, the son is sick with an unidentified illness. It's yeah, so dumb. And, and yeah, that's dumb. There's a lot more content with uh, just a bunch of bo- like when uh, apparently the president is rated one of the 10 sexiest men in America. That is was necessary for the extended cut. Oh, you get to see Harvey Firestein kiss Jeff Goldblum. That's in the extended cut. Yeah. But that's like that's the most interesting thing in the entire set of deleted scenes. So don't bother if you see it. Just watch the original one. It's already long enough. You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 1996's Independence Day. Police and the fire departments are asking... It is morning. Stay off the phone. You wake up. Hey, 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 come on. You greet your loved ones. You grab the morning paper. And although it seems like any ordinary day, it isn't. For one extraordinary reason. A historic and unprecedented event has occurred. The question of whether or not we are alone in the universe has been answered. This is so cool. More ships have just arrived off India. England and Germany. I really don't think they flew 90 billion light years to come down here and start a fight. We've got to stop them! They're going to kill us all! They're using our own satellites against us. The clock is ticking. We must launch a counteroffensive with a full nuclear strike. Over American soil. If we don't strike soon, there may not be much of an America left to defend. We're being exterminated. Let's kick the tires and light the fires. We're looking at worldwide destruction in the next... 36 hours. Oh, you can't hit nothing. Should we win the day? The 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday, but as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. That's what I call a close encounter. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does Independence Day begin? With some major title graphics. Oh, coming man. at you! Like there, there, these it 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 wanted to be like a like a Terminator style thing where yes. it's like they're they're semi metallic, yes. computer generated, but these are like three D and they explode. <laughs> Totally unnecessary. But great. Yeah. 
starts on the second. And it's a fun, I think this is a fun way to start the movie. They show the flag on the moon and they show yeah. the shadow coming over it and they show the dust on the moon covering over the footprints. I thought that was effective. Yeah, it was very, very good. I really liked that a lot. Great ominous opening. Yes. And then, of course, we get, it's the end of the world as we know it. Yep. It's the end of the world as we know it. I always thought that was in The Arrival, but apparently not. I think you mentioned on the show that it was in The Arrival, didn't you? Probably. And we talked about The Arrival at some point. Charlie Sheen. Uh Came out the same year. So I'm like, okay, my eight to nine-year-old brain conflated the two. I get that. Yeah. (laughs) So we see, so I know this is really unimportant. He's not even really in the movie, but I, I was, I thought it was hilarious. The guy from Stargate is in this at the very beginning. He is the main, like, leader of this people from the Stargate movie and he's in the very beginning of this film he's a very excited scientist about the readings they're getting yeah so Stargate was written by Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich and it was directed by Roland Emmerich well there you go yeah and I think Dean Devlin produced both of them there you go also for about two seconds we get to see the dad from Wonder Years yes Dan Loria but they're both in it for all of you know, a minute. Right. But then we get Robert Loja. Robert who be, Loja. Who will be in the film the entire time. What do we know Robert Loja from, Kelsey? He's the therapist from Psycho 2. For whatever reason. <laughs> he's also the boss from Big. Yes, that's what a lot of people know him from. But he's been in tons of things. So he's going to be the head military guy that works for the president. He's the general. Yes. Yeah, he's not the... Secretary of Defense. No, and he's not the commander of the Joint Chiefs or anything like that. He's a general in the Marines. These are Marine pilots that we're going to be talking to, which is... It's always seemed like an odd thing. Like, it's odd enough that we have pilots in the Air Force and the Navy. (laughs) And then there's Marines, which are a spinoff of the Navy. Sorry, Marines, it's true. <laughs> that also have pilots as well. And it's like, well, what the fuck is the point of the Air Force? <laughs> we also meet our president. Oh, well, we should probably talk about what these... So they're excited because there's readings going on because of the aliens. Oh, yeah, and- it starts at SETI, whose job is just to listen for communications that might be intelligent. And they inform the general, who's then going to talk to the president, played by... Bill Pullman. Bill Pullman. Yep. Whose daughter, Chris told me, is the same girl from Arrested Development and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Yeah, that's Mae Whitman. To which I said, oh, that's the little girl from One Fine Day. Yes, it is. It is. She also does a lot of voice acting, including she's done a lot of Tinkerbell. She's the voice of Tinkerbell. Oh, interesting. But so he is talking to his wife, who is in California. And she is, you know, she's the first lady, so she's doing her own thing. And that is played by... Uh, Mary McDonnell. Who we know from... Interestingly, she is not the only actor from Donnie Darko in this. That's right. She's the mom. Yeah. She's also probably most famous for being in, well, modern day, being in Battlestar Galactica. She plays the president 
the remake series. Uh, oh. She was also in Dances with Wolves. She went for oh, that's right, Dances with Wolves. <laughs> she went from first lady to actual president. Yes, uh huh. Good for her. Uh-huh. But so they are talking, and they are very much in love and happy. But they are on opposite sides of the country, which is yep. going to be a problem. It is. We also meet David, played by Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Who is divorced from his wife for three years now, whose only companion, it seems, is his father and his boss. So Judd Hirsch is his father and Harvey Firestein is his boss. Do we know them from anything? I mean, They're- I know that we his boss is from... A lot of things, but I don't know about his. I know I'd his say dad. I most, his dad. Most famously, Harvey Firestein. I mean, real famous actor, right? But what do we know him? From? What does everyone, everyone know him He's from? Doubtfire. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He's Yao and Mulan. Cool. He's, don't recognize his voice. Very I iconic do, voice. Actually, yeah. Now that you say it. Uh huh. But Judd Hirsch. Yeah. Judd Hirsch is from Taxi oh. originally. Okay. That's, that's what people would know him from. But so he works for, I guess, a television company? Yeah. We don't really get uh, some sort of broadcast organization. Something yeah. to do uh-huh. with broadcasting. And when he gets back, when he gets to work, he finally finds out like all this crazy shit is happening. Something's blocking their satellite signal. So he starts looking into it, and it's very interesting. We are also then introduced to Uncle Eddie. Yeah, Randy Quaid. Who plays a drunk who claims to have been abducted by aliens, who even after aliens are, like, shown to be real, people don't believe him. Yes. Which is odd. It is odd, yeah. But he's this drunk who has this whole, like, family, like, he married this woman who already had a son, and then he had a son with him, and I don't know where the daughter came from, and... But, like... It's so unimportant that in the original film... Most of this, Practically all of the story is gone. He's just a drunk who claims to have been abducted by aliens, who we know has a strained family situation. That's pretty much it, and then he's used at the end to Mm. to destroy the aliens. The eldest son, or the stepson, Miguel, is James Duvall. He's also in Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko, yes. I originally know him from Doom Generation, but we know him on this show from May. That's the last time we talked about him. Who was he in May? Oh, he was the druggy guy, right? Blank or something like that. Like came into her house and Uh then found the dead cat or something. Or is that reanimator? I don't remember. Oh, no, it Dead is a cat, cat is in Reanimator, too. Right, but yeah. it is a cat, I think. She says, I'll miss your fur. Or it's a dog. May was better than I expected it to be. Well, it's a big episode. A lot of people, <laughs> for whatever reason, are super into Martin and May. <laughs> it's a short title. <laughs> but so, all these people are mad because he's crop dusting the wrong crops, and crops are dying because of him, because he's a drunk. Mm-hmm. And yada, yada, Because his yada. life turned to shit when he got abducted. Well, they also in this movie suggest when the wife died. Yes. Which in the normal version, you don't get any of that information. Mm-hmm. So 
We find out through the president, he's watching all these news shows, we find out all this chaos is going on all over the world, and the way that we find that out is by seeing this ridiculously tiny television, and it's just funny because <laughs> it's in the White House, like, you just wouldn't uh -huh. expect, you know, because nowadays we all have huge TVs, so it's just, it's very funny to see this tiny TV, which is, in fact, huge in that it's, like, fat. <laughs> yeah, it's boxy, it's a CRT television. But back when this came out, that was totally normal. Uh -huh. Yep. Remember before everything was a flat panel? Mm-hmm. But I did enjoy, like, the way that they were showing us all the crazy things that are going on around the world. Amidst all this chaos, they want to try to evacuate people, including the president, because we do have this whole, you know, structure set up to survive the apocalypse with our government. But he chooses to ignore all that. I'm just, I'm going to stay because that's what a brave masculine man would do. Well, he wants to... He doesn't want to cause a panic. Yeah. You're, you're asking for major evacuations. There's going to be a cause of a panic whether you're there or not. He says in his address to the nation, he says, if you feel the need to evacuate, evacuate in an orderly. It's, they're not ordering evacuations at this point. During all of this time, we get intermingling stories. We get to see a lot of Jeff Goldblum figuring out what's going on, that there's something going on in like seven hours. We also get more scenes with Dan Randy Quaid and his family and these people that all make fun of him for being the town drunk and abducting and saying he's abducted by aliens. And that's, of course, right when they see the aliens show up. So uh -huh. that's fun. Of course, then later on the TV, they're going to be like, he was sexually abused by them. Yeah, and, as a joke. Yeah, to be dicks. We also get to meet Will Smith and yeah. Vivica Fox. Finally. Yes, and they're going to wake up. Now, they live in California, and they think it's an earthquake, so they don't think it's any big deal, and they go back to sleep. Uh -huh. Earthquake. Not even a four-pointer. Go back to sleep. But all over the world, panic has started in other, like, where, you know, people are awake and seeing all the shit, whereas Will Smith and Vivica Fox are still in bed. So uh, we get to see the Twin Towers here, which is always weird for Americans these days. Yeah. Yeah. For people who even know what they were anymore, because now my students yeah. certainly wouldn't know what they were. It's crazy. It's crazy. We are now... In a world where college students were not alive when the Twin Towers fell. Yep. That's nuts. Yep. Jeff Goldblum will figure out that it is some sort of countdown, and his boss is like, countdown to what? And he says, well, it's like chess, so it's got to be checkmate in six hours. Yeah. So that's when his boss starts to freak out, and he's pretty funny. I mean, it's Harvey sad because he's going to die, but oh, it's yeah. funny. He will die pretty early on, actually. <laughs> yes, pretty quickly. Will Smith will go off to El Toro, which is always exciting for people who live in Orange County. It's a little nuts. <laughs> so, yes, in Irvine, there was, was, was. A, a Marine Corps air station called El Toro. And that was decommissioned in 1999. So it was still active when this happened. I remember going to air shows mm -hmm. there. But the way it's shown here is like, it's in the middle of a desert. Yeah. There's nothing anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's in the middle of Orange County. <laughs> 
Yes, and I love how quickly they get to, like, the Grand Canyon in Utah and shit uh-huh, like that. Nevada, Arizona. Yeah, they go all over the place in these jets, like, real fast. <laughs> but, so, he is gonna go in, even though he's supposed to be on vacation, and that will prompt her to go to work even though there's an alien invasion. So it makes sense that he would go because he's in the Air Force. Doesn't make sense that she would so, go. So no, apparently what was supposed to happen here is that, or maybe we only got it in the original version and not the extended version, but she goes in to pick up her last check because she's going to move to El Toro with Will Smith. And Mario, I guess, talks her into working. The writing is terrible A lot of this, for a lot of the film. Yep. Uh, she has the line. Wait, I want to tell you something. You take care of yourself, you hear? Like, mm-hmm. it's so bad. Like, yeah. what woman in her 20s in the 90s talked like that? <laughs> she also calls him out for having Dumbo ears, which is so funny. It's funny, yeah. Mm-hmm. We get more of the Randy Quaid stuff. And guys, this is just all just garbage. We get more of them, the kids try to leave their dad behind, but he comes with them, and there's this awful scene where the youngest kid, who I think, what do we know the youngest kid from? Wasn't he on a TV show? I definitely recognized him. I also recognized, oh, isn't the daughter from uh, Mrs. Doubtfire? Yes. Yeah, she's the daughter. She's the older Older daughter daughter on Mrs. Doubtfire, yeah. But the youngest son, is it Troy? Yeah, it's Troy is Giuseppe Andrews, and he's in Detroit Rock City and... Detroit Rock City. Cabin Fever. Cabin Fever. Never Been Kissed. Don't remember him. He had a small role without a name. Oh, wait, yes, yes, I do. He's uh, he's one of the nerds in that movie. Denominator is his character name. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's in Pleasantville. I don't remember him. His character's name is Howard. I do not remember him in Pleasantville. That's odd. But Detroit Rock City is certainly where I know him most mm-hmm. from. We also see for about two seconds the guy from 10 Things I Hate About You, the douchebag. He's the one that's like, This could be our last night on Earth. You don't want to die a virgin, do you? Oh, God, yeah. Uh-huh. Wasn't he also in something else? Wasn't he a good guy in something? I mean, aside from 10 Things I Hate About You... He was in a lot of TV shows like Seventh Heaven and Party of Five. He was in Camp Nowhere, if you ever saw that. Yes, that's, yep. Mm -hmm. And get this, his first acting role, Kelsey, is as the voice of Wally in The Halloween Tree. Holy shit! Yeah. How funny. Yeah, that's Andrew Keegan. Anyway, this whole scene about the kid is just garbage, guys. Do not bother to see the extended cut. Then we get to meet Will Smith's, essentially Will Smith's goose. Yeah, Harry Connick Jr. Mm-hmm, the singer. Yeah. When did he want to be an actor? He's been in a lot of shit, man. Has he? Yes. Hmm. He's been acting for a long time. Hope Floats was his big thing that he was in. Oh, that's right. I remember <laughs> yeah. Hope Floats. But he's been, you know, like a smaller role kind of actor in a lot of things. You know, more than you would expect for a guy who has more soundtrack credits than he does acting credits. Well, this is where we find out that Will Smith wants to be in NASA, but they just keep... But he doesn't get in. ...rejecting him. We also find out that he plans to marry Vivica Fox... And he has an engagement ring with a dolphin on it. Yeah. Because she likes dolphins. Because she likes dolphins. And Harry Connick Jr. is like, dude, 
You want to be an astronaut? They're not going to hire you to be an astronaut if you're married to a stripper. And shitty thing is, they're probably right. But it's okay. He goes to space anyway. <laughs> yeah, he gets to say, I've been waiting my whole life for this. Because he has been. There are a lot of Will Smith one-liners in this movie. Oh, yes. I have got to get me one of these. <laughs> Vivica Fox has a friend who's going to be our way to see what look what it looks like for people that are excited to see aliens. I don't know why. I don't know that that was totally necessary, but it's there. She makes her promise her that she won't go. The extended version has a stupid longer conversation that yeah. we don't care about. But she ends up going, which is how we get to see what it looks like from that perspective. Uh-huh. And this version has a scene with her arguing with her boss and quitting, and it's so dumb. Yep. It's really dumb. Anyway, so of course, Jeff Goldblum, because he has discovered that there is a countdown, you know, you would want to ex- tell this to the president, but more importantly, he wants to go and speak to his ex-wife. Constance, yeah. Wants to try and save her. So they drive all the way there. There's a lot of, lot of conversation. Eventually, Constance and Jeff Goldblum's character are going to get back together by the end. Like, you know it's coming because they are spending way too much time on their backstory and why they got divorced and the fact that they really still love each other and it's because she was too ambitious and he wasn't ambitious enough and Well, yes, because he he wanted to focus on their life, their family. Uh-huh. She wanted to focus on her career. Uh-huh. And that's why he punched the president. He punched the president? Because he wasn't the president then. <laughs> why wouldn't you listen? Cuz last time I saw him we uh, we got into a fight. You walked in the room and punched him in the head. You punched the president? No, he wasn't the president then. I punched him, he, he fought back, we wrestled around, it was a fight. A fight that you started. Because David thought that I was having an affair. With the president? Which, no. of course, I wasn't. Hey, hey, you know, either go get him, or we should head back. Because he, he, she was spending so much time with him, he thought she was having an affair. Yes, which is extremely insulting. It's a, it's a really shitty thing to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and very uncharacteristic of... His character. Well, this character was upset enough and drunk yeah. enough. Because mm-hmm. they do show that he drinks when he's upset. Yeah. But so he finally gets them to listen, and they're just like, he's telling them, I'm pretty sure they're going to attack in a very short amount of time. Yeah, and he explains the line of sight with uh, satellites, which is a real thing, and the fact that they're all coordinating and that a timer is counting down. This is when he tries to stop the president from sending any sort of contact. They try to send a quote-unquote welcome wagon, which I don't know how you're supposed to be communicating that through flashes, but... Well, we do a lot of stuff like that, like when we send out capsules that contain, like, Earth's culture out into the universe and stuff, we include all sorts of different methods, so it's not just, let's just write something in English and they'll figure it out. Like, we include all different sorts of types of communication, hoping that they'll land on one of them. Mm. But they just straight up kill those people so yeah. they're just like uh okay that's not good those men die and it's mm-hmm. on and this is when the president's like yeah evacuate every major city we're getting out of here like they're obviously not, not nice yeah <laughs> so we get to see the famous destruction scenes and i still think these hold up they do i think they're they very absolutely cool. do they are miniatures and I read somewhere that this that this movie held the record for most miniatures in a feature film, and that... Is that including, like, Nightmare Before Christmas and stuff? I don't think it includes that. I mean, because these are 
these are very large. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of them. They have the Empire State Building. They have the White House. There's a lot of these miniatures that are going to blow up. And all of the planes are either miniatures or computer generated, except for the crop duster. So there are a lot of miniatures that are going to explode in this movie. Cars, towns, streets, everything. So apparently, and I cannot verify this, it does have the record for most miniatures and it will probably keep it. Because nobody uses miniatures anymore, mm-hmm. let alone at this scale. Mm-hmm. Which is a shame because they look cool. They looked great. They still and you can really still good. tell when they're exploding that they don't explode the way real buildings would or whatever. But it looks really impressive. Agreed. This is when we get to see those alien lovers dying. Yep. It's so pretty. Uh-huh. And dead. This is when David's boss dies. Yep. Oh, crap. And then the White House still looks phenomenal. Yep. Still looks great. I watched it again, guys. If you listened to the last episode, I mentioned it. It still doesn't make any sense why that helicopter is turned sideways before the explosion happens. Before the explosion happens. It's already sideways. It's just bothered me forever. I'm like, what? As a kid, I was like, what angle are we seeing this from right now? It looks like the front of the White House, but the helicopter's sideways. Anyway... That's still a thing. Vivica Fox and her kid and their dog managed to survive by hiding in a room in an underpass. Oh, the dog jumping in from the fire. I got to tell you, that was a big emotional moment for a lot of people. I understand. That dog surviving was a very big deal. Very sappy and ridiculous. It very much is. We don't find this out until later. Is that the way fire works? I would assume that it would fill that room too. So would I. I would Uh expect it to just go down all those cracks Uh uh-huh but i don't know i don't know maybe if it was sealed enough there's enough pressure inside that room to to prevent the fire from going i don't know (laughs) but anyway we don't find this out until later but the first lady's helicopter also gets but don't worry she somehow survived but is also still going to die yes she will die but air force one gets away just in time with the fucking fire oh the fire almost like boosts it a little bit there's no way in hell it would work that way it's (laughs) so silly it Mm. but the destruction looked great yes so now it's july 3rd and the statue of liberty is down in water and i'm pretty sure that's Mm. CG. Yeah, I don't know. I would also comment here that what we find out is that these ships take a certain amount of time to move from one location to another major city, and they're taking out like 15 major cities each time, and they're going to continue to do it. And the entire planet, we'll find out later, will be wiped out in a matter of hours, like 36 hours or something like that, if they don't stop them. That's how big a deal it is, and that's how many places are just getting utterly obliterated. But we still get more of the kid being sick with the uh, the fucking Randy Quaid shit. Yep. I When Vivica Fox is, like, saving people, her kid asks her, Mommy, what happened? What do you fucking mean what happened? Yeah, uh-huh. And then she goes, I don't, I don't know, know, baby. What do you, what do you mean, mean you don't, don't know? know? Yeah, I don't. It's It's bad writing. (laughs) It's bad writing. But then, of course, you get all of Will Smith's one-liners, as Chris said. I'm just anxious to whoop E.T.'s ass. Uh Uh-huh. You know, like... And then uh, Harry Connick Jr. gets the very famous, let's kick the tires and light the fires. Something you want to add to this briefing, Captain Hiller? No, sir. Just a little anxious to get up there and whoop E.T.'s ass, that's all. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. You get your chance. You'll all get your chance. Good hunting. 
Dismissed. Let's kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. I guess. Good. That was in every commercial for this movie. Was it? Yeah, I bet you it's in the trailer we play before we talk about this movie. Interesting. But so they do. They try to all these airplanes because remember he's in the air force he's not he's in the marines sorry he's in the marines they go up there to obliterate them Uh what happens every single one of them gets annihilated so first they fire on the ships and there's a force field of some sort and then a bunch of smaller ships come out of it and start attacking and harry connick jr and will smith end up kind of getting away and, like, making it to the Grand Canyon. Harry Connick Jr. has a sort of goose moment where he dies and Will Smith lives. You can't bank at that speed! As they're flying through this canyon, it's down to Will Smith and one other ship, or maybe two, I don't remember. No, one is killed. Yeah. And, and they're still following And he, they're at the end of the canyon, and so he has no other choice but to eject, and the ship can't respond in time, and it clips the edge of the cliff and and crashes. and crashes. So Will Smith lands, certainly shattering his yeah, shins. Yeah, the way he lands, <laughs> I'm just like, uh, it's all about the landing when you go skydiving. You need to have your legs out, my brother. It's funny because that was in that Criminal Minds episode yep. that we watched. Yes, it was. <laughs> After this. Mm-hmm. And this is that moment when he comes across the ship, he opens it up, he sees the thing in there, and then it wakes up with all the tentacles and everything, and then he punches it and says, Welcome to Earth! <laughs> Which is great. Yes, that is a good line. Iconic line from this movie. Now that's what I call a close encounter. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I call a close encounter. Good lines. All from Will Smith. Makes me wonder if maybe Will Smith was just making them up as he went. Yeah, there was a lot of ad-libbing, apparently, um, especially with Harry Connick Jr., he impersonates when they first go out, where he impersonates Reverend Jesse Jackson. Or, as the good Reverend would say, why we on this particular mission, we'll never know. But I do know here today that the Black Knights will emerge victorious once again. Amen, man. Amen, Reverend. He's a very famous civil rights activist. So there's that moment that, that apparently was ad-libbed. He did a lot of impersonations and that that's the one they picked. Yeah, there's a, lo- there's a lot of those sorts of iconic lines and things, and some of them, many of them are ad-libbed. More shit with the Randy Quaid and his sick kid, and one guy gives him penicillin, and ugh, Yeah, God. they're in a convoy now of motorhomes, and they're going to be driving across the desert, and they're going to come across Will Smith, and they'll pick him up as he's dragging this alien in his parachute. So, but that's all you really need to know about them up to this point. We're we're skipping a little bit ahead with them. Kind of nothing happened. Oh, the girl, the daughter, she meets a guy that she thinks is cute. We'll be virgins together. That that's really funny. I don't know if that's an extended scene that's or not. An extended scene. This it's, whole guy, this whole kid, is an extended thing. It's uh, it's pretty funny it's that ridiculous. he totally does not key in to what she's saying because. What's no, he face? does. We're supposed to think that this is a good guy. This is who she should want to be. No, I think we're supposed to think that he's oblivious and doesn't understand that she wants I to fuck him. I don't think so. <laughs> I think we're supposed to be learning that teenage girls are supposed to wait till marriage. You think? I yes, don't think so. I certainly One of do. our main characters is a stripper who's proud of it. Like, come on. 
No. I don't know. Well, she quits, doesn't she? Well, because she has to. Now she's going to marry yeah, a man and she do has right found by a her man son. To marry. That's right. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. But when Andrew Keegan says to her, you don't want to die a virgin or whatever, and she's like, uh, and then she gets pulled away. By her brother. Yes. She she says to this guy, I don't want to die a virgin. And it's like a humorous beat when he's like, well, then we'll die virgins together. I don't and think it's I supposed to be humorous. Like, I, I think it's like supposed it to be wholesome and it's disgusting. <laughs> well, it's so bad and stupid that it, it, it only occurs to me to be a joke. I don't want to die a virgin. If we do... We'll both diversions, but at least we'll be together. Anyway, that's jumping way forward. So what else is happening with, like, Vivica Fox and the president and all well, of that? Well, the president is wondering what to do. His secretary of defense really wants him to do a nuclear attack, which he does not want to do over American soil. Uh-huh. But they've already taken out NORAD, which is not good. Yeah. And they're all fighting about this. David, of course, is totally against a nuclear attack because you're just, you know, if you send nukes, then other people are going to send nukes and then we all send nukes and then the world is over. But the father of David ends up getting everybody to shut up. It's Uh so ridiculous. But he's the one that brings up Area 51, which is when the Secretary of Defense is like... That's not entirely accurate. Yeah, because the president president says that's not real. real. Yeah, uh uh-huh. It's real lame. I love that moment. I'm sorry. I love it. I love it. I love the idea that Area 51 exists and the president isn't aware of it. You should have told us this as soon as they attacked. Absolutely. We couldn't have known we'd be so ineffective. That was the excuse. Dude ends up getting fired. Dude's incompetent, but he does have awareness of it. Because he was the head of the CIA or something like that, and that's why he knows it. You know who else was a president and the head of the CIA? George H.W. Bush. That doesn't seem good. (laughs) So yeah, Vivica Fox has got this big truck, and she's helping as many people as she can, and she's taking them to El Toro, because that's where she thinks Will Smith is. There's an extended scene here, which is not in the original film, where she comes across a doomsday sayer. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Where he just kind of says that the end has come, and then laughs at her when she says El Toro. El Toro. El Toro. (laughs) (laughs) The end has come! He's speaking his word, and the end has come! Hop on! We're heading out to El Toro! You cannot defy what has come! It's the end! Their dog, I hate that fucking name, Boomer, goes and finds the first lady and rescues her. Bark, bark. Where is she, Lassie? Like, it's just yes. so stupid. I wonder, in 1996, is he named after Boomer Esiason? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. And then finally, we get another great scene with Will Smith dragging the alien through the desert. Uh-huh. What is that smell? I could have been in a barbecue. Like that, that was apparently all ad lib. It's too. so much fun. Uh-huh. He's great. But yeah, he comes across Randy Quaid, who gets the whole brigade to follow them, I guess, because where else were they going to go? Yeah, they had nowhere else to go. Oh, we, we saw a, base. a military base or something like that. Which isn't on the map, which yeah, is odd. Yeah, that's Area 51. Oh, that's Area 51. Yeah. uh I see. Yeah, when the president asks, why couldn't, why didn't I know about this? It's like, plausible deniability. Mm -hmm. Which, 
I guess. It is at this point when they go to Area 51 that we meet Dr. Oaken, played by Brent Spiner. Yeah, who apparently lives through this movie. He's dead. According to Brent Spiner and Dean Devlin, he's in a coma or something like that. And then when Resurgence came out, they canonized that and he's in that movie. Really? Yeah. Uh-huh. I didn't know that. Yeah, a surprising amount of people from this movie were in Resurgence. Not Will Smith. But not Will Smith, yeah. <laughs> like him and Cold I was looking Blue at a list. Parts. I was looking at a list and they're like only these actors showed up for the sequel. I'm like, "Only? That's a lot of people." Was anyway. Bill Pullman in it? Yeah. Mhm. He has a beard. His wife in it? She dies. Oh, right. Is his daughter in it? I don't know. (laughs) But Jeff Goldblum is in it. But so, yeah, Brent Spiner playing Dr. Oaken, being a ridiculous scientist who, like, I get They don't let us out much. I get that, (laughs) yeah, I get that Goldblum is supposed to be super smart, but there's shit that it's just like- Really? They didn't recognize yeah, that they didn't that was think a about sequence? This and, yeah, so basically what's going to happen is that Brent Spiner knows a lot of things and he's privy to a lot of things and he leads a lot of the research happening at Area 51 since they had the downed aircraft in the 60s. They've been studying it. They have specimen aliens and only one of them lived but then died shortly thereafter. And Jeff Goldblum is going to show up and then just like totally school them on everything. Mm-hmm. It's like after 30 years, I understand how a fresh perspective can help. And they're probably too laser focused to see a bigger picture. I understand all of that. But there's one point where Spiner goes like, you know, you're starting to make us all look bad. That's the extended version. They took that shit out. He is making them look bad. And they took out some of the stuff that he figures out because Uh it just looked ridiculous that he was so much smarter than these scientists. (laughs) But what he, the useful information that he gives is that their anatomy is actually pretty similar to ours, which is probably why they want to come to our planet. Yeah. Like they breathe oxygen. They, you know, they have an endoskeleton, not an exoskeleton, like things like that. They, they're fragile. Yeah. And they have three dead ones in jars yeah. so that they can see them. And they say they don't have any vocal cords. That's their big difference. So we assume they communicate, communicate telepathically, telepathically yeah. which I don't know why that matters. Because it's a cool moment later on when he makes Brent Spiner talk by manipulating his vocal cords. Oh, oh yeah. When Will Smith brings the brigade to Area 51 with his alien, which is how they're able to get in, Randy Quaid has this ridiculous scene where he, like, runs up. I need a doctor for my son! He needs medicine! It's so silly. And Brent Spiner's like, we have a new, alive alien just help, do whatever he wants, just take care of him, get him out of here. Get him out of here, yeah. help him, whatever, I'll yeah. deal with the alien. And so his son's going to be saved. Yes. That whole storyline that was totally pointless totally is now pointless. wrapped up. It's a good thing they cut it out, because <laughs> it was unnecessary, and it was bad. But yeah, so they discover that they're going to be exterminated in 36 hours when the live one comes to life as they're trying to operate on him. 
and he kills everybody except for Brent Spiner. And yeah, he uses his vocal cords to communicate with us. I don't know why he would be so forthcoming with their plans when yeah, we... Yeah, we're we, going to kill all of you and I mean, no peace. I get that he might think that we're going to take you guys out. I'm not afraid of you. But right now, you, specifically you by yourself, are in a room that we have control over. Why would he tell us he wants to kill us all? There's something about these aliens that we understand after we meet this one that is they're almost obviously, and I, I'm sorry if any of this gets contradicted in Resurgence. This is what I gather from this movie. We get no insight into their culture at all other than the fact that there's a lot of them. They've brought their entire community, their entire race is on these ships. And uh, the mothership specifically. And they move from planet to planet, wiping them out of all of their resources and then move on to the next planet. Why they look down on the people who who live on the planet before they get there, it's not explained, but we can determine from that that they are a very aggressive race. Well, they obviously know that they're uber intelligent. Yeah, and they, they feel superior mm-hmm. and their military might is what drives all of their decision making and it and it reduces their lack of empathy or care for other living creatures they are just a killing force that's all they do so if they change any of this in resurgence i'm gonna be pretty pissed (laughs) what i don't understand is spoilers we survive (laughs) the entire mothership is exploded where do more aliens come from i'm sure they have a home base they talk about how all of them are on these ships Every single one of them, their entire race is how on these we ships. Know that? We I forget say that. where. I, yeah, it's said at one point, and I don't remember how. I don't we know, know how that. we could know that. I think that that's a guess. I, it's sure, something that I'm sure that's what the resurgence says. That was just a guess that there were tons. I don't. More. I don't remember the context, but somebody with knowledge. Oh no, it's the president. So in this moment, he communicates to the president telepathically, and when he has Brent Spiner communicates to the president telepathically and tells them all of his plan or the president can see their entire plan and that this he's the one who knows they go from planet to planet destroying everyone they bring their whole race with them his thoughts i saw what they're planning to do they're like locusts they're moving from planet to planet their whole civilization After they've consumed every natural resource, they move on. And we're next. So we know, because we've seen into their minds, that their entire race is on on this mothership, and the the thing explodes. So who is the enemy in Resurgence? It It could be easily explained once we see Resurgence. I have no desire to see it. It is possible that he was only showing him what he wanted him to see entirely possible seems like a bullshit cop-out answer meanwhile vivica fox finds the first lady and they have a conversation about the fact that she's a stripper yes what do you do i'm a dancer ballet ballet what a (laughs) weird assumption (laughs) yeah like i mean i love that just dance equals ballet ballet yeah Uh exotic (laughs) oh don't be sorry yeah it's good money my son's worth it. Meanwhile, Will Smith is going to steal a plane and go see his fiance. Yeah, because yes. El Toro's been destroyed and he yes. knew she was headed there, so he has to go and check it out. He steals a helicopter. Yes. And so he's going to find her and the first lady 
which is why nobody cares that he stole a helicopter because he brings back the first lady of the United States. But she very quickly dies shortly after when she gets back. There's an emotional moment. <laughs> it's an emotional moment. It's an emotional moment. <laughs> but yeah, so after the president has seen these evil, evil plans, he's like, nuke him. Yes. So they try. But, They you fail. Know. It's very interesting that they have like this little tank thing on the ground nearby to give visual confirmation of the target and that it was been hit and that it's been destroyed and it's built to like sort of withstand that force. I wonder if that's real, but it's very interesting. But yeah, they they try to nuke a ship and it doesn't get through the shield. Which I don't know why they thought it would. They already knew it had a force field. And it destroys Dallas, Texas. Yes. Dallas, Texas, gone. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Vivica Fox and uh, Will Smith have been reunited and it feels so good. They're going to get married. Yeah. Yay for them. <laughs> They're happy. But yeah, so the first lady makes it all the way there just, just to, say, to die as uh-huh. soon as she tells her kid and husband that she loves them. Last thing she says to her daughter or around her daughter is, I can't. <laughs> and then sends her away. And then she subsequently dies. The music is terrible here, by the way, when they're in the hospital with the mom dying. Oh, specifically here. It is so over the top. It is finally the 4th, guys. We have made it to July 4th, okay? Oh, God. There's so much stuff in this movie. So, Jeff Goldblum has managed to get the downed craft from the 60s, which is larger than the fighter craft that we've seen earlier, working and functional again. And... He's figured out because his dad, he's he gets drunk and plastered one night and his dad's like, oh, you're just lying on the cold, cold ground. You're going to catch a cold or whatever. And he's like, what did you say? Did you say cold? <laughs> Look at that. It's War of the Worlds. We're going to kill the aliens with the virus. But with a technological A computer virus. virus. Yes. So what they're going to do is they're going to take advantage of the signal that's being spread everywhere, get into the mothership, install a virus, send a signal, having them all turn off their shields so they can be attacked. It. He checks his theory on the on the ship they've gotten. He's he's right. So yes, don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to worry. It works. And they're going to blow up the mothership while they're there. They're going to drop it and then they're going to have 30 seconds or they're going to fire it on their way out. And they'll have 30 seconds to get out of there. That doesn't quite go to plan. Yeah, they're supposed to be out of there way before it's going to go mm-hmm. off. And Will Smith is going to go with them because they're like, nobody can fly one of these things. And Will Smith's like, I can. <laughs> I like it when Goldblum's like, can you actually fly that thing? And Will Smith's like, can you actually do all that shit you just said you could <laughs> <Yeah>. do? <laughs> it's fun. Their relationship is really interesting and fun. They are very cute together. Mm-hmm. They don't get enough time, I think. It's like just this final act, really, and that's and, it. And then, of course, the Americans, the, you know, golden saviors of the world, spread the news oh, God, over the world. Yes, and so we get to see, People like... all over the place. Apparently, I don't know if the whole movie or just an edited version was allowed in Iraq, because... One of the scenes we see is that the Israeli military and the Iraqi military are working together. And I guess Iraq had a policy of not 
allowing any movies that show Israelis. So fun. <laughs> yeah, but that's the point is that they're working together and then we it's it's just really really thick. Like they're laying it on real thick with like the stereotypes of all around the world. And, and oh, look, these people that traditionally hate each other are working together against the aliens. So basically what they're telling us is that Ozymandias's plan is right. Exactly. That the world would be united. But it needs to be a real one. It can't <laughs> yeah. be a fake one. <laughs> anyway. So they're going to go up in the ship and they're going to execute this plan. And yes, the U.S., the great white saviors are going to save the entire world. Well, and they're all waiting gonna, for them to take action. The British are like, is gonna oh, it's fire. about bloody time. <laughs> yeah, everyone is going to fire on these ships once they the virus to. has infected. Lowered their defenses, yes. yes. And so there are these 15-some-odd ships that still need to be taken down. And so all of these people are going to do it. But everyone was just waiting for the Americans to do something. But in the meantime, one of these ships is coming for Area 51, because their secret's out. Yes, they figured it out. <laughs> Which, if they figured it out, then wouldn't they know up at the mothership to be expecting this? Well, they don't know the plan. They just know that they're collected there. Because mm. they're sending all these communications. They're doing it all via Morse code. And so that gets them a lot of time to share their plan and everything like that. But when it comes time to actually execute it, by that time, the aliens have figured it out. And they're sending a ship to the source of this communication. It's around this time that we get the speech. Yes. So a couple of things are happening. David and uh, Jeff Goldblum and Constance get back together. <laughs> Will Smith and Vivica Fox get married. All of the pilots they can find are collected. Including, including Randy, Quaid. Randy Quaid. Including Bill Pullman, who's just like, who cares about my daughter? Am I right? Yeah. Well, they need all the pilots they can get. And that's what he was in Air Force. He was a fighter pilot. I don't know if he was in Air Force. In my daughter Force, just lost her, her mother, but it's okay if she loses her father, too. It's fine. Yes. Also, so, if the country loses their president, it's cool. Apparently, the last time that the president led any actual forces was in 1814, James Madison did. So, like, that just does not happen. Like, actually leading them in battle. He gives his whole speech today is our Independence Day. And apparently they rewrote that script with that line specifically to convince the studios to negotiate and get that title, Independence Day. It wasn't yet called Independence Day when that was in there. And they're like, see, isn't it great? Huh? And it's cheesy as fuck, but it's pretty great. It's so cheesy. We're it's fighting iconic. for our right to exist. It's iconic. We will not go quietly into, into the that night. night. Yes. Iconic. <laughs> it's cheesy as hell, but iconic. Yes. Good morning. In less than an hour, aircraft from here will join others from around the world. And you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind, that word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July. And you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution, but from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live, to exist. 
And should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday, but as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. Goldblum and Smith are getting ready to go. Smith makes sure that they have cigars uh-huh. ready for the end because that's his thing with his goose who died. Yeah. <laughs> the kids run up to say goodbye. Oh, yeah. It's so ah, over the top. Like, at this point, it's just sappy. There's not much horror to go around anymore. No. The most horror happens when that alien wakes up and attacks everyone, and then there's all this smoke and tentacles and shit like that. That's where most of it. The real horror of this movie is the sheer immense scale of this alien invasion and the loss of life and the destruction and just so many people dead. Exactly. But from now on, it's just sappy action. Let's do it. Let's go. And Will Smith fucks up flying (laughs) the plane. He turns the instructions upside down. Why he would have even written them in the first place, I don't know. If they were wrong anyway, so was he just guessing? And then why would he need him? So, uh, whatever. He flies it out, and it's going so fast and handling so well. I've got to get me one of these. But also, Goldblum has the, yes, yes, without the oops. Yes. He's also going to say later on, must go faster. Yes, straight out of Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so they fly out there, they get up into the ship, and they upload the virus, and it is successful. They are able, I mean, not the first time, it takes Bill Pullman saying, I'm going to give it a second try or whatever. Yeah, for I whatever reason, shot I guess it. It, takes, it takes time. They fire again, and sure enough, the shields are down. Direct hit! Yes. Fire at will! But they st- they're still not going down. They need a sensitive spot. And, they, and they're running out of time. The giant laser in the center of the ship that we've seen blow up so many things is opening up. It's lighting up. And they're out of fucking missiles. Meanwhile, up on the mothership, Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum are stuck. Yes, they are They're latched docked. in. They're docked. And they, and they, they can't get, get out. out. Yeah. So they just figure, well, I guess we're just going to die up here. Let's light so. our cigars and fire that... That warhead, mm-hmm. and they yes. do just that, but that gets them loose, and so they're able to fly out. Yes, that is how they are able to escape. We also get this sort of like, uh, sort of with moment the with the alien. I kind of like because they can't communicate; they just have these big eyes. <laughs> and then this 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 warhead comes in, and he just looks at it like right before it explodes. <laughs> so one of those moments, and they fly out. They survive, but they're trying to fly out, and the 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 door's about to close. The timer's about to end. Just in time. Just in time. Must go faster. Peace. Must go faster. Yeah. Peace. Meanwhile, the only one with a leftover missile is. Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid. And it jams. Of course it does. Oh no, it won't deploy. <laughs> so they're like, fuck, oh damn, now what do we do? And Randy's like, well, I guess I'm just going to have to fly my whole entire <laughs> plane up in there. And he has some really good lines, more iconic one-liners. Tell my children I love them very much. All right, you alien assholes. The words of my generation. Up yours! 
this yeah. the one that he's been having all the trouble with. No, Dad, what's he doing? What's he doing? God. He is so much. It's so bad. Like a Keanu Reeves, but worse. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well What's put. he doing? Like, I mean, I know he didn't. I think he was born in Detroit or something like that, but but he he went to school in like Malibu or something, and it's like, oh, that's why you talk like that. <laughs> but Jane from Firefly, who's been in this movie this entire time, says, "What your father did was very brave. You should be proud." I am. Oh God. And by this point, he started to call him Dad. Before this, he wasn't calling him Dad. Mm-hmm. Like whatever. So yes, he flies up into the thing and explodes it and takes down that ship. It's terrible. But all the ships are coming down and everyone's celebrating. Hooray. All the stereotypes are throwing their hands into the air celebrating. Didn't I promise you fireworks? Oh, yeah. Will Smith says to his adopted son now. Uh Uh-huh. That's pretty much the end of the movie, right? There's not much left. That's the end. It is the end, yeah. There's... Way more shit that I could probably run through, but it's not. I mean, you heard us. We kind of sped through it. This movie is long. It's it's almost two and a half hours. There's a lot going on. There are a lot of stories going on. And there's a lot of stuff that's left out, too. Like, who people are. (laughs) There doesn't matter. They're here. They have this authority. That's all you need to know. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of it is very cheesy. If it hadn't had Will Smith and Goldblum, this would have been trash. Yeah, I agree. They really do save it. I mean, when I saw this when I was eight, I thought it was great. Yeah, oh yeah. Now, as a fucking adult, I'm like, oh my God, this writing is god-awful. Yes. Uh, The music is so ridiculous sometimes. Sometimes. A lot of the music is very, very good. But, I mean, yeah, it's got Goldblum and Will Smith, and it's got incredible visuals, and it's a lot of fun. It never There's some slows bad green down, screening every which once is in a while. Great. But yes, that's true. There's always something going on. It never slows down. It's always exciting. Yes. Very even though, entertaining, even if it's bad. Yeah, even though it goes from terror to action pretty drastically partway through the movie, it's still, there's a lot of terrifying stuff. I mean, it's it's Independence Day, man. It's Independence Day. Today is our, our Independence, Independence Day. Day. So, what do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? I'm going to guess like a 66. Holy shit. 67. 67. The plot is thin and so is character development. Yeah, unless you watch the extended edition, then you get the real character. (laughs) But as a thrilling, spectacle-filled summer movie, Independence Day delivers. Yes. Metacritic of 59 but a cinema score of an A. Oh, Everyone my. walked out of that movie at the time going, fuck yes. <laughs> because everyone did walk out of the theater saying, fuck yes. Yeah. It was a huge movie. Oh, yeah. I've everyone movie loved that movie. My, my dad loves this movie. It's just, it hasn't aged too well. There's a lot <laughs> of things that aged very well, surprisingly so. Interestingly, the visual effects that involved a green screen... Not good. Visual effects that involved miniatures and actual explosions. Great. Mm -hmm. Great. Creepy aliens. Yes. I love the concept that the alien that we see is actually an exoskeleton. That's really cool. Like a a manufactured suit that they wear. That's awesome. It's, It's cool, too, when we see the one in that operating room. It's been cut open 
And so it has all these tentacles and everything like that, that it's still controlling. And the head of the suit is split open and we can see this thing poking out of it. And it's got its little stubby forearms sticking out too. It's interesting. It's funny. It's scary. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) But it also, you know, it has more appendages and stuff. Like it's, you, even though you see them close up several times, you're not ever really certain what's going on there. Mm-hmm. And I thought that, that that's really well done. They did that in Men in Black, too, where they have a tiny alien yeah, uh-huh. inside a body. But, I mean, they're not that tiny. Right. Yeah. So, do you think that 67 Rotten Tomatoes is overrated or underrated? Maybe just slightly underrated. Okay. I'm going to give it a 70. Because it is thoroughly entertaining. That is lower than I would give it. Are you serious? Yes. What are you going to give it? I'm going to give it a 77. Oh, okay. Not like I wasn't going to give it like a 85 or anything like that. Okay. It's just solidly good, I think. I, that's a little strong. (laughs) Well, on a scale of good, great, incredible, it's good. I guess, yeah. And it's solidly good. Everything, to me, everything above 50 is good. And there's just varying degrees of it. And I think in the 70s, mid-70s, is just a solid good movie. And then... For me, it is very much teetering on bad movie uh, territory. But, I mean, well, that's the thing. I don't think it could ever be put in the 50s and 60s. Because 50s and 60s, for me, are kind of like meh movies. Yeah, okay. But this is better than that. Yes. But it's also... It's like teetering on bad, so it's just like, I don't know what to do with it. I'll yell, I'll give it a 7. I will say... Because there's there's a lot of cheesy shit in this movie. Yes. This movie was a lot better in 1996. Oh, yeah. Uh, even though it's the same movie. Uh, it you know in many many ways it did not age well, but not like it. It's not like it aged to become a bad movie. It's just not nearly as good as it was when it first came out. But still, like man, it's Independence Day. It's an adventure. It's fun. I will watch this again next year. It's fun, you know. So I, I got to give it credit for that. And that is our classic film, 1996's Independence Day. And then we move along to our modern film. 2006's I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer, directed by Sylvain White and written by Michael D. Weiss, based on characters created by Lois Duncan, starring Brooke Nevin, David Paitkow, Tori DeVito, and Ben Easter. Sylvain White would go on to direct Stomp the Yard and The Losers, which I was surprised to find out, and then just a ton of television episodes, like one to four episodes of television shows, but some big titles, which is pretty interesting. Then, out of nowhere, he directed Slender Man, which I've heard nothing but terrible things about. <laughs> and the writer, Michael Weiss, I wrote down in my notes, just take a look at the writer's other stuff. Uh, because I did while we were watching the movie, and here's what we have. He has 12 writing credits. He wrote, Crocodile, Octopus, U.S. Seals 2. Not not a sequel to Navy Seals, <laughs> but U.S. Seals. It's a sequel to a knockoff. Uh-huh. Octopus 2, River of Fear. Uh-huh. Death Train. Oh, God. Cult of Fury. And then here we go. I'll always know what you did last summer. Ugh. And then the Butterfly Effect 2. Ugh. 
And the Brendan Fraser vehicle journey to the center of the earth. Oh, seriously? Which is like the biggest profile thing on in his entire well, I'm CV. I'm pretty here. sure everyone said it was terrible. And then Hostel Part Three. Uh-huh. Which cool. <laughs> great. The Scorpion King 4, oh. Quest for Power. Good God. Which is just an incredible name. So I want to talk. I, before I get to the, the the headliner here, the one he did most recently, I want to talk a little bit about Scorpion King, right? So do you remember the Scorpion King? The mummy movie? Yes. Yes. So Dwayne The Rock Johnson played the Scorpion King in, I want to say, Mummy 2, right? Then he got yes. his own movie, The Scorpion King. Yes. Then there was Scorpion King 2, Rise of the Warrior, where they replaced The Rock, because of course they did not get The Rock again, <laughs> with I don't even know who. <laughs> then Scorpion King 3, Battle for Redemption. This time, the Scorpion King is Dave Batista. Wow. I know, right? Listen, Dave Batista is no Rock. Love Dave Batista. He's no The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, 2015, the Scorpion King 4, Quest for Power... Starring none other than Lou Ferrigno. Oh, no. The body of the original television's Hulk. Oh, man. Yeah, so that's the one that Michael Weiss wrote. And most recently, his most recent credit is, and this is like the capper here, Jarhead 3, The Siege. Oh, my God. I don't know if you guys know what's so funny about that, but the original Jarhead movie... Everyone said it was so boring because they expected, oh, it's a movie about Marines. And it's like, yeah, it's a movie about like what Marines actually go through on a day to day. Right. A lot of it's boring and totally awful, you know. <laughs> and then they turned the franchise about the thinking man's Marine movie about introspection and boredom mm-hmm. and turned it into an action franchise. Yep. And Michael Weiss is partly responsible for that. He wrote the screenplay to Jarhead 3, The Siege. There you go. Anyway, now that I've gotten all of that out of my system, Mm -hmm. what is I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer about? It's the same exact. It's it's one all over again, just with a little bit of, of the book sprinkled here and there, and then a little bit of... New shit sprinkled here and there, and it's terrible. Well, I didn't get there yet. You're giving away the goose. I don't care. This movie is garbage. You could you could rent it for four dollars. You could buy it for thirteen. Should people watch I'll always know what you did last summer? No. Holy shit. <laughs> Like 30 seconds into the first scene, and I wrote down, it's the first scene, and I'm already wondering how this movie got made. Yes, it's really, it's really bad. that kind of movie. It is so bad. I could not believe it. One thing that I found out is that apparently the director, Sylvain White, I think he did a lot of music videos and stuff like that beforehand, which you can tell he's never had to direct anybody acting believably. <laughs> Because music videos never fucking require that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff they do is like, oh, that's a music video shot. That's a music video shot. Oh, my God. The editing in this film. Uh-huh. So The cinematography. Ugh. Apparently, the original director was fired. And Sylvain White, this director, was brought on. He had to cast the film. He had to do all the location setting. He had to make the shooting schedule. And he had to do all of that in just two weeks. 
and it shows. <laughs> it was originally supposed to be a sequel to I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, like an actual sequel to I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, but it just never got made. It was in development hell for a really long time. And then eventually they were just like, fuck it, just make it new cast, whatever. Jennifer Love Hewitt and Brandy were going to be in it. Wow. Yeah. But didn't end up happening for whatever reason. And, and then we got this we got garbage. This. I mean, two was garbage enough. Yeah, two was not good. But this is worse. But this is, I'll give you a little bit of a hint. After the movie, Kelsey and I talked very briefly. We generally don't discuss our thoughts about movies until the recording. And, and I told her this might be as bad as lesbian vampire zombie angels. <laughs> and I could not believe it. Yeah. There is, there is maybe one saving grace. And it's just, it's almost like, well, yeah, of course they didn't do this thing. <laughs> we'll get into that a little bit later. But you just, okay, if you, if you don't, if you know nothing about this movie, don't watch it. Listen to us talk about it, and the ending will blow your mind. <laughs> you don't want to just give it away at the beginning so that we can talk about how shitty it is? <laughs> okay, okay, we're going to give it away after the jump. Okay. Okay? So we'll do the trailer first, and then and then we'll give away the twist of this movie. In the meantime, we suggest that you do not watch it. No. It is garbaggio. <laughs> You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 2006's I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer. So you've all heard the story, right? About what happens on July 4th? Whoa, Amber, you want to freak everyone out? What are you guys talking about? The fisherman. Every 4th of July, he sharpens up his hook and runs wild. <laughs> <laughs> were the best of friends until something went horribly wrong. The secret dies with us. Say it. Secret dies with us. Secret dies with us. Secret dies with us. They know the legend, but they never imagined what would happen next. Did you tell anyone? I kept our promise. Which one are you? Opened your mouth. Now, someone knows their secret. Ready? I'll always know what you did last summer. All right, Kelsey. What do we need to know before we reveal this twist? Okay, so let's set up the scene here. First of all, the edits, what do you call this? Is this, what would you call it? Is it jump cuts? Yeah, I mean, no, it's more like a, this just a frantic splicing and Dutch angles thrown in and an overlaying of the same shot at a different angle. And you have to understand flashes. that that is the entire film. Yeah, they don't stop. In places that are completely, uh, where it's completely inappropriate and... It, it's trying to set up this idea of, like, this summer fun fair in Breckenridge, which they will call Broken, Broken Ridge. Ridge, Colorado, which is incredible. <laughs> That's where we were last week. Well, Not close. exactly in Breckenridge, but we were in Colorado. It but looks yeah, a lot like it. <laughs> there is no Broken Ridge, Colorado. If you Google Broken Ridge, Colorado, you get entries, no joke, 
for Breckenridge, Colorado. <laughs> they just assume you fucked it up. <laughs> yes. So you're getting this idea that, okay, there's this group of kids. We're going to learn about them. They all matter. No. <laughs> Fully half of the people we meet in this scene, we will never see again. We had to rewind to understand what we to find out what happened to all these people. Wait, they who are- was who? Who's related to whom? <laughs> what happened to those other people? Were they in on it? Like, no, no, <laughs> no. So they are sitting like, okay, it's supposed to emulate sitting around a campfire, but they're at the fair. They've already set this up. Uh So they decided, let's just have them sit in a circle. And tell a scary story. On the Ferris wheel. (laughs) There's a thing called (laughs) ambiance. And I swear to God, okay, I've been in enough, like... I'm I'm when I'm going to say this and it's going to sound braggy. Don't please don't take it as that. I've been in enough casting sessions where like you get these people and you're like, I mean, yeah, if I need to cast something and I I like I I need somebody to fill a role and I don't have anybody, I guess I could cast you. But like when you co- I I I I don't want this to sound offensive, but every single person in this cast is that person. They act just well enough to be a last resort for a small production, and even then, it might be a little bit cringy. <laughs> Every single one of these people. Agreed. Agreed. Terrible. <laughs> but so, like, there's this mood they're going for that is just not happening, okay? But they are telling the story of the fishermen. From the first two movies, guys! So... Apparently that really happened in this universe. Yeah, so it starts out as just being like, you know, a neat UL. It's my favorite. Tell him my favorite UL. I like it when you tell the story. But then we find out later that, yes, in fact, the stuff that happened in the first two movies really did happen in this universe. Not in Colorado. No. In Colorado. You could put the movie anywhere. But of course... Scenic property off season, mm-hmm. probably a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. And how are you going to explain a ski lift in the summer mm-hmm. and also have a fisherman? You don't. <laughs> well, they do. They get away with everything. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. In the actual twist. But we still haven't set everything up yet. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Yes, they kind of, in a way, get away with that conceit. They get away with everything. (laughs) Jesus Christ. So, they're telling the story of the fisherman. And it's meant to be a scary story that you tell in the summertime over a campfire. It is not. So how are they going to get you to be spooked with them jarring, stopping on the on oh my the God. Ferris wheel. The most lame-ass, <laughs> pathetic excuse for a jump scare. I'm worried how long this is going to take to edit because I'm going to have to stop every 30 seconds and include a clip of the worst fucking thing you've ever seen in your life uh, and put it on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> how often those moments occur. Yes. But so... Our main guy, I guess, or kind of not main guy. Is he? He's supposed to be, he's supposed to be. Ryan Phillippe. No. 
He's like a mixed. They're they're both they're mixed up a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But I would say he's Ryan Phillippe. He's the tough blonde sort of jockey guy with an attitude. But he's the one who's with. Amber. Our main character, Amber. The yes, just at the very beginning in the first scene and then never again for the rest of the movie. The one who she's crushing on. No, the one who's crushing on her. Yes, who eventually she crushes on. She eventually ends uh, up with. Lance. So, so far we've Lance. got Colby and Lance. That's right, Colby. Lance is the one who gets accused of doing it. And it's kind of weird working this kind of manual labor job. He's one of actually two people that they do that to. <laughs> but this one's the love interesty one who's going to make it through the whole movie. So he's the Freddie Prince Jr., I would say. Lance is. And Colby's the Ryan Phillippe. And now both of these guys yeah. look nothing like either of the actors that Chris just said. But they do have they evoke it. Yeah. resemblances to someone else. And the whole movie, you're like, maybe they've been in something. Maybe I know them. They look vaguely familiar. No, these people have been in nothing. You don't know any of them. And it's like they got hired because they reminded you of someone else that was famous. Kind of, yeah. I wish I had written down who they reminded me of. Colby kind of reminds me a little bit of the guy from The Butterfly Effect, the blonde. Not Butterfly Effect. No, not three. three or two or whatever he did. Two. He did two, I think. Ashton Kutcher, Amy Smart, Eldon Henson, the friend. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. He reminded me of him a little bit. Oh, Idle Hands. We've seen him in Idle Hands. Who, Colby? Yeah. Like a jock version of yeah, him. A yeah, a jock version sure. of him. He's got that sort of uh, s- rounded square of a face. <laughs> and the other guy... <sighs> He reminds me of like a teen heartthrob from the 90s. I can't place who he is. He has like these piercing blue eyes. And he has, he kind of was going for this whole James Dean look, but I can't remember who it was. But he reminded me of him. I, interestingly, because I know what you did last summer, is a sort of analog to Scream. He has a sort of like rejected by the QA department Skeet Ulrich look going for him. A little bit. But there's a particular actor I'm thinking of, and I cannot place who it is. But I can see his face perfectly. Anyway. So they're setting up the idea that, like, Colby is a year older than everyone else, so he is going to go off to school in L.A., and then Amber is going to meet him up next year Uh after she graduates. They're making plans. None of it really matters except that when he comes back after all this shit happens, it's going to be that like, oh, I don't want to be with you anymore. And she's like, wait a minute. This was my dream. I wanted to go to L.A. And I like all this yeah. shit. Anyway, n- not that any of it matters. No, I don't know none why of it I'm matters. Do you remember? She's a photographer. Oh, God. She has hopes and dreams that. and likes to take pretty pictures. Hopes and dreams. Boring landscapes. <laughs> That's really how you're going to develop your eye and your name. Okay, we're going to also meet, what's the one's name? That, PJ. PJ? PJ? It's the PJ. <laughs> Who's in uh, Unseen. <laughs> but he's important. He's very he's important. very, very important. And it's important that you know that he just joined ROTC because his dad is the sheriff. Yes, and who is also a Marine. So he's, he's following in his father's footsteps and... Lance is PJ's younger cousin, and PJ's going to tease him, oh, you're next, he's coming for you next, or whatever. You need to know that they're related. 
And there's also, you didn't mention, Zoe. Oh, right. The Sarah Michelle Geller stand-in. Kind of. But she goes kind of mopey gothy like Jennifer Love Hewitt does. Well, yeah, but she takes a bunch of her lines. What happened to us? <laughs> no, that was that was uh, Amber says that. And Zoe says, what are you going to say? We used to be best friends or oh, whatever. Oh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Zoe's like they the make callbacks band. to the originals, and it only makes you mad. <laughs> I'm surprised. Did we not have a twisting arms out, breasts exposed? We did not. Moment. We did not get that. I feel cheated. Not once. We and did get an arbitrary shot of her in a bra. It was there for no good goddamn reason. Anyway, <laughs> like. The fisherman's gonna show up. Out of nowhere and attack specifically them. Right, they're gonna run through this whole fucking fair screaming. Uh Uh-huh, and And the editing's really bad, and and I'm like... Everybody's just kind of like, what's happening? (laughs) What in the entire fuck are they doing? (laughs) Until he corners PJ on top of a parking Parking garage. garage, And PJ fights him hook versus skateboard. And then PJ does a sick grind down the ramp and fully launches himself off with no explanation for it. He heads off at like a 90 degree angle from this ramp (laughs) in order to save himself and get away from the killer with the hook who disappears magically with no explanation. Because the cops are swarming the place, but somehow Uh he gets away. That's the only time that they don't get away with it. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. So because <laughs> all these all these main characters we mentioned so far, except for Lance, Lance isn't here. So we got uh, Colby Lance is working at the car. Yes. carnival. He's a carny. We have Colby. We have Amber. And we have Zoe are all laughing now. Like, oh, my God, that was crazy. That was insane. And then ha 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 ha. Fisherman shows up, does a little Saturday Night Fever pose with his hook. Uh-huh. And then we find out that he is Roger, someone we have never seen up to this point. <laughs> he was in on it. They were playing a practical joke on the entire fair for no fucking reason. Yeah. I don't know. But guys, we needed it to happen this way. Because PJ needed to die. Exactly. They're, they're all like, wrong, guys. Hey, wait, 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 wait. What, what, where is PJ? He, that was really sick and everyone saw it. Where is he? And they show up in their ambulances. He was impaled on like an exhaust pipe no, or something a tra- from a tractor. Yeah, tractor. So they had mattresses set up where he could jump and fall onto the mattresses, but Somebody moved them and put the truck there. <laughs> I don't know why. They must have said it funny, but I wrote the line, who moved the mattresses? Yeah, well, because <laughs> it's so terrible. It's so, so fucking terrible. They're off in the darkness. Like, if you can't, if you're not paying attention, you'd totally miss this line. You'd miss what they do, what they're even doing. Uh-huh. And he's just like, hey, who, mo- who moved the mattresses? And it's like, it's a throwaway line. It's like, that's really important to and what they, just happened. And they, and they never go back to it, by the way. They mention about how somebody was supposed to check the mattresses. That does come up, but they never explain. At least tell me that, oh, someone said they saw some mattresses and then they, but no, they never explain who moved the mattresses or why, why that tractor was put there. It's not important. And the other thing, the twist doesn't explain it away either because they hadn't done anything yet. (laughs) But anyway, this is what they did last summer, guys. Another prank gone wrong. Yes. 
Jesus, can we stop, please? Because apparently they didn't want to have them drunk drunk and driving and accidentally, or at least thinking they accidentally murdered someone. Right? <laughs> they didn't want that. <laughs> they wanted a prank gone wrong because that makes them way more innocent and likable, I guess. That's, that's, that's what they did last summer. Yeah. So they don't tell the cops because the sheriff is his dad. So it's just like... He's going to make sure they get the fullest extent of the law. That's they the same thing happens that, in the but original, but it's the to. same sort of thing. And there's an argument between them. Like, I feel like it's Amber, but it might have been Zoe is yelling at Roger because Roger was supposed to or because Roger didn't check the mattresses. And then Roger said that was PJ's job. I put them there. He was supposed to check them before he did the trick. And then they still are arguing about it. And then Roger exclaims, it was an accident. And if it was Amber, it'd be very weird. I think it might have been, but it could have been Zoe responds with, was it? Guys, we have to go to the police and tell them what? That it was a big joke? It was an accident. Was it? Right. What? Yeah, somebody said that and I wrote it down and I was like, what? <laughs> Why on earth would you say that? And it is never mentioned again. Yeah. Why Roger would ever have motivation to kill PJ. It's very strange. Was it? Who are you and why are you terrible? <laughs> so... They vow never to tell anybody. They throw the hook in the river that they used and they burn the costume. And then a year goes by. Oh, by the way, they claim that they have the hook from the real legend. I I wrote down because it's going to be important. Is that really the actual hook from the first movie? Are we supposed to believe that? Or is... No, I'm not going to say it. (laughs) So, okay. Now, a year later... Oh, God. And the way that they wrote it on the screen really fucking bothered me. They capitalized one, and then they put everything else in lowercase letters, and then they put a period. Like it was a sentence. (laughs) Not a title card. It was like, oh, my God. Right. You need a subject and a predicate if it's going to be a sentence. So the reason that it's important that they told it, like, around a campfire, even though they were on a Ferris wheel... And the reason they brought up, they called it the legend and all this shit is because he has turned into an actual UL. Yes, this is the spirit of Ben Willis from the first two movies is now a vengeful ghost (laughs) that comes to kill anyone who has a secret about somebody's death. And the reason I want to say that now is because... I just want to, well, first of all, this movie is garbage. And I, I can't believe they went there, Kelsey. Through this as quickly as possible. I can't believe they possible. went there. But also, I want to say this because there will be times when you, the audience, are just like, well, that was impossible. Yep. And the movie will point it out, that was impossible. And then just keep moving on. And you're uh-huh. just like, what? And, and one time he'll be attacked and he'll this scream. This is all impossible. It is a ghost situation. Like he's kind of a zombie thing who has his own hook, by the way, which made me wonder because they try to use the hook that they had, which came up again. So, huh, they throw the hook in the river to get rid of it. It comes back somehow. I guess maybe the fisherman brought it back, but the fisherman spirit UL guy 
also has his own ghost hook. Special ghost hook. Thing. But they claim that the hook that they have is powerful against him. No, that that's she pulls that off of him. She pulls that hook off of him. They fight hook against hook. There are two he, hooks he here. He grows a new one. Oh my god, are you kidding me? I assume. Because she pulls that one off of him. Oh my god. Yes. But I wrote down, is it their belief that gives it power? Because this is what the movie is now. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> but okay, but you can't say that's stupid because you like, and I like, American Gods. Yes, it's not the concept I have a problem with. It's taking, I know what you did last summer and I still know what you did last summer, as ridiculous as the movies are, that are firmly rooted in reality, real life, physical killers out for revenge and made him a super spirit ghost. It is a supernatural movie now when it never has been three movies in. It is like a supercharged version of, oh, Michael Myers is powered by the Druids <laughs> and Freddy Krueger is a dream demon and and Jason has a demon worm or whatever inside mm -hmm. of him. Like, okay, it's the equivalent of that that they do like six movies into those franchises. <laughs> they did it three into this one and out of nowhere. <laughs> it is out of fucking nowhere. But they still want to do that thing where they're like, it could be anyone. Oh, yeah. So they're so they try to lead you down the path of it could be the sheriff. Uh-huh. Which I didn't fall for. But I did fall for the creepy ass deputy. This guy, I what did I how many times did I say a creeper? It? How many times did I say it? He doesn't know he's being creepy. <laughs> I think he is a good guy who's being really fucking creepy, and he has no idea. Now, does that mean she should be comfortable? No. <laughs> I understand that she, that he makes her uncomfortable, and he's doing things that are a little creepy, doesn't recognize the difference in the power dynamic that they have, or anything like that. And he, so he's a fucking creep. But I don't think he, like, is a villain. He, he's he not. never He never came off as a villain to me, which is why I never thought he was the guy. Very, very creepy. So... That was the one good actor in this film. <laughs> yeah, he was probably the best actor in the movie. And they uh, at one point it was Lance, just because he liked motorcycles and and working with a chainsaw. <laughs> well, because he also worked in the chairlift thing, and there's this scene where he comes out at no, them that's like he's Roger. popping out. That's from a fucking Roger. This is my point. They mix the two of them up. Roger is completely ruined over the course of this year and when they start getting notes which are also impossible they go to roger Again, and be like that doesn't matter roger who did you tell and he's like what the fuck i didn't tell anybody i want to tell somebody now and now all of a sudden now amber doesn't now want amber to. doesn't want to tell it's fucking dumb but so i was very irritated that they decided to do a Ha ha, winking at the audience, they had a note with her name on it written in all black yeah, capital letters. But it was really from her parents. Telling her that they're going to be gone for the weekend, and they decided to give the, the quote-unquote notes through text messages. And I was like, that's really lame. And it does, and yep. it doesn't fall in line with the legend. And if right. you're going to turn the it into a fucking be... urban legend, there are specific things that need to happen. He also wrote... A message to Colby, the lifeguard, on the hot concrete outside the pool in water so it could just evaporate away again, right after he sees it. It's not real, so he's, I know. he can do whatever he wants. I know. 
He can also attack her when she's in a gondola for no good goddamn reason. And then and a, leave her alone. And then a very, in a very contrived scenario where she happens to be riding her bike. I guess she mountain bikes now <laughs> to take uh, pictures. So she takes her, 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 her views. stupid scenic photos. <laughs> Gets her bike tire slashed, and then they do a jump scare with the guy who's working the gondola, and like he's like, "Hey, you should probably get down. It's a a storm's a brewing," and so she goes down in this gondola, and I'm like, "Okay, here's the problem. They're obviously setting up for something to happen here. Either she's going to be stuck and scared, or she's going to be attacked, or something is going to happen on this gondola." And I'm telling you right now, the gondola operator is not the villain. So how do they explain? If he has to stop her when she gets to the bottom, how do they explain him being totally unaware of whatever's going to happen to her? The answer is they fucking don't. She is attacked in the middle of this gondola line where there, nobody could possibly get to her by the fisherman. And then he smashes a window and then disappears. Yeah. And it's just like, well, how is she going to explain the window? Right. <laughs> She has pictures because the camera took pictures on its own, yes. apparently. Yes. But the pictures are no good. They're no so good. So what did it even can't. fucking matter? Her being a photographer had nothing to do with goddamn anything. Nothing. Uh, uh. So, yes, there are a few of those moments throughout the movie. You mentioned Roger coming out on that gondola thing. <laughs> What the lame. fuck was that? They were trying to do a jump scare with the edits. And then they like kept coming. He kept he like kept after you already in. knew what it was, you'd just be like, what's going on? It was a very weird shot. And he says the line, what is this, a reunion? Yep, which is what Ryan Phillippe says. Right? It's Ryan Phillippe that says it. Yes. I love when she shows him the text messages. She's like, look, the phone number is totally blocked. <laughs> she says that. It's totally blocked. It's totally blocked. What? And it's 2006, so everyone has a flip phone. But what I don't believe, no one has a sidekick. <laughs> Meanwhile, Roger's not doing so hot. No, they're... Oh, Roger's Jesus. having suicidal thoughts. And you know how he wants to kill himself, guys? He wants to, and I'm not kidding, slit his wrists with a fish hook. And not a fish hook. And I, like, that's the thing. He's the fisherman and he has this hook. <laughs> it's the hook that, what's his face from Roseanne and Big Bang Theory? Uh, Galecki. Yes. Johnny Galecki or whatever his name is. Was using to, like, move the ice around and stuff like that. It's like an ice hook. So now it belongs to this fisherman because he just happened to kill him with it. <laughs> anyway, yes, he has it. I guess he got it out of the river. I don't know. That <laughs> And, he, and he's going to slice his wrist into this stupid music video editing. Oh, my God. But he doesn't get a chance to because the fisherman shows up. And kills who's him. Who's going to slit his throat with it. It's just like, guys, do you not under... Just, just stab each other. Just right. Just stab each other. What is happening? This is a gigantic hook. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, exactly. You're not going to slash at people because it, it, it's recursive, right? Like, it curves backwards. So you're not going to slash at people. It's not sharp along the edge. If you tried to just slit pointy. someone's throat, you would literally gut out their throat. <laughs> yes. There are two Which, moments. That's what you want to do. That's what you want to do. But that is not what they wanted. There are two moments where they use the hook like you would use a hook. And they're both against Colby. And they're both still fucking bullshit. 
Are you talking about the time that he gets at him through the window? Yes. When the only way this physically could have happened, the way they framed it, is we, if the fisherman was on his side of the door, hence not having to break the window in front of him. And he, like, gets him through the mouth, which is kind of cool. All the yanking and stuff with the hook is cool. I like that. And there's one shot where he, because uh, Colby is a lifeguard and he's swimming at night at this pool alone, where the, the fisherman, like, kind of fishes for him swipes down and grabs him by the foot. Now in the shot where he's struggling with him, it's just his foot's like resting over the hook mm-hmm. where obviously it's underwater. His, his feet are already at a point. So like it would have just slipped right off. And so I'm like, what was the threat there? Mm-hmm. And we find out that no, really it went through his ankle <laughs> and he was grabbing him there. Which is not at all what the audience saw. Right. Exactly. Which is why I'm saying the two good uses of the hook are done in ways that really discount the fact that they were good uses of the hook. Yeah, the the part where he gets it through the glass into the face is so bad. I the first time when it just happened, I was like, that that's not possible. <laughs> yeah, just wait, what happened. just happened right there? <laughs> and I made Chris rewind and we rewatched it because I was just like, that can't go in at that angle. <laughs> it's bad. It's re- and okay, I need to warn you guys because I feel like we're selling it a little bit here. <laughs> It is not so bad it's good. No. Okay, don't get that impression. If you want to watch a genuinely bad movie that isn't good because it's bad and you're in in that kind of mood, then yes, go ahead and watch it. But don't watch it expecting to laugh at the thing. It's just bad. But okay, so back to when Roger's trying to kill himself. The fisherman has come out. He's coming after him. And the editor got the message. (laughs) Okay, this is scary time. Time to move everything around and make it look all creepy and crazy Oh, but the music didn't? But the music (laughs) never got the memo. He's he's like trying to hide in the gondolas. (laughs) So the music is just super subdued and just like, like they missed their cue (laughs) and nobody told them. Yep. Okay, but here's the question. Roger's there actively killing himself. Dude shows up and kills him instead. In a different way, but also in a way that everyone believes it's suicide. What did, what did you do? What did you accomplish? The guy you wanted to die would have already been dead. People would have thought what you <laughs> made them think. And you wouldn't have even had to do anything. Is it just because you're bored now? Like, yeah, I could just sit back and let this happen. But I am going to intervene and lead everyone to the startling conclusion of exactly what they would have thought if I would have done absolutely nothing. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I also he says love that they believe that he committed suicide by slitting his own throat with a fish hook. It's because he already wrote because he already wrote the note that says, I'm sorry, I can't deal with the secret anymore. Goodbye. I understand. It's just the way that they would The believe. secret? These people are never once questioned by the police. <laughs> Ever. After Colby was actually attacked at the fair at the beginning of the movie and his good friend, the son of the sheriff, died in some crazy accident, they never once questioned these kids. Okay. It's July 3rd now. Okay. Oh, right. Yes. There's and- a timeline, people. That's why he didn't kill her on the gondola. Because oh, he wanted to save it for July 4th. But he already but killed, he killed Roger. Roger. Yes. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Stupid if you haven't figured movie. it out, guys, the urban legend is if you kill somebody on the 4th of July, he'll, he'll come kill back you. The next, the next 4th of July. 
So it can still be that last summer. It's not seven days here. It's 12 months. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> so they go to see Lance. And I don't know if it's Lance that says it or if it's Amber that says it. But somebody says, I didn't write it down word for word. I wish I had. If there's something. But okay. I imagine I know how it was supposed to be read, but it is not the way that they said it. Yeah, there's a few of those. If there's something you know that's bothering you, just tell us. Oh. It's supposed, the line is supposed to be, if there's something, you know, that's bothering you, you can tell us. That's the way you're supposed to say the line, not the way they say it. You know why they said it that way, though? Because he has a secret. Is there something you know that's bothering you? Oh. But I, I remember that. I thought that line... And I'm like, that's a way to dead give away that you have a secret because they're asking, they're talking to somebody. I think this might be Amber to Lance or something like that. No, I said it's Lance and Amber. I just don't know which one said it to which. No, then I think uh, Amber says it to Lance because she's trying to figure out if he knows their secret. And she's like, if there's something you know that's bothering you, just say it. Uh. It's like way to give away that there is a secret for him to be wary of. Instead of just asking what's bothering you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But so Colby at some point shows up and calls him a douchebag. (laughs) And the look he gives is so great. He doesn't say a word. He doesn't move. Nothing. Colby's just like, you're a douchebag. And then he turns and leaves. And the guy just gives him this really angry look but does nothing. Uh It's so funny it's so good these these people are really terrible (laughs) you know at the very least they didn't have any time to rehearse also colby decides to put a letter on the sheriff's car because he thinks that just watch him when he gets the letter because everyone thinks the sheriff is the murderer at one point they all think that the sheriff is the one who's doing it and he, he writes this letter and it's annoying because he writes it as a note and it's like they didn't receive them as notes they receive them as text messages yes but he writes it in all capital letters how they did it in the first movie, even though that's not how they did it in this movie. He's like, we know what you're doing this summer. Because uh-huh. <laughs> there says, I know what you did last summer. Is that what number four is going to be? It's going to be, I know what you did last summer. I still know what you did last summer. I'll always know what you did last summer. And we know what you're doing this summer. Yes. <laughs> the fourth entry. Exactly. In the last summer franchise. <laughs> So then I think Amber has like a dream and like there's this terrible sound going on in the dream and you're just like, oh my God. And they do that thing where, no, it's Zoe, I think, where she does the multiple wake up from from a nightmare thing. Oh, yes. And then all of her furniture is all shredded and her guitar is destroyed. Because he was really there, but he didn't want to hurt her. Yeah, again, he's waiting for the fourth. Then why the fuck doesn't Roger rate, right? (laughs) Because he, that's why he had to kill him, because he was going to kill himself. And he's like, no, <laughs> I must do it. You made him break his his whole MO, and he had to kill him ahead of time because he was going to kill himself. I wrote down here, apparently at some point they're talking about the fisherman like he's hypothetical. Like, if, is, if there really is some guy out there attacking us, and it's like Colby that says it. 
I'm like, dude, why are you talking about him like he's hypothetical? You have a hole in your ankle because he attacked you. Mm-hmm. Like, he, whatever he is, he's doing this, okay? This isn't a hypothetical scenario. Nobody's lying to anybody. <laughs> like, what, what do people think happened about him being attacked at the pool? Do we want to talk about Amber and Lance's romance? No. Uh, but at some point, yeah, they go to, like, Lance's house and they, like, are leaving. And they're walking through the yard just having a regular conversation. And no one is talking about the fact that all of a sudden they're in front of this dilapidated house with, like, just giant, uh, like, weeds and tall grass. Like, it felt like Kneebolt Street. <laughs> a little bit. But there's a lot of lawns like that. But just just, just happens to be that... Uh, Lance lives in this decrepit house with it. I think what it was was they just needed a shot. Uh-huh. And they're like, here's a house nobody will give a shit if we film on. It's like, do you care at all about... No, but he's supposed to be the badass who's <laughs> grunging it now and rides a Harley or whatever. I guess. I don't even think he does. He rides some sort of motorcycle. But yeah, he's supposed to have a romantic relationship with Amber and they telegraph it at every opportunity they have that he's into her... But she's still getting over Colby or whatever. And I wrote down, these two are going to have a moment. And we are going to be expected to think that it's earned. (laughs) And sure enough, I wrote, yep, there it is. They have their romance moment. Now they're dating. Yeah. Now they're together. He's always been in love with her. Uh Uh-huh. Whatever. So earned. It's the fourth now, and they finally are like, we should probably get into hiding. Except that Zoe's like, I have a chance to get famous. I'm going to go to my talent show. So they all go. There's an agent there, and I might get discovered. So I can't leave this place where people are being murdered and I'm being attacked. Yes. I have to do the show because I might get famous. Yes. And then instead of saying, peace, Goodbye. <laughs> Lance in the worst line reading ever is like, we have to stick together or however it is. that he, I just remember like that was really like half hearted. You didn't really try that hard. It's, like he knew what role he was supposed to have. But again, I think maybe they just didn't have any time to rehearse. I just found out there's going to be some agents at the show tonight. They book clubs all over the state, maybe even L.A. I'm sorry. I just can't miss out on this. Zoe. We had a plan. I am going to be on a stage in front of a crowd with security all around. What's safer than that? Leaving town? You guys go without me. Okay, let's go. No, 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 no guys. We got to stick together here. <laughs> so he didn't have a chance. They filmed every scene once and then like, we got it. Moving on. <laughs> so they stick together and they're going to watch over her. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to be at a big fairground. Do you remember or what whatever. the name of her band I is? I do. And I'll get to it in just a second. But she is alone multiple times yes and it's like bitch (laughs) (laughs) don't worry she dies do you not know like come on how like i cannot believe that you are this fucking stupid yeah so they introduce her band and we hear her band name for we 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 heard them play when amber and zoe first reconciled a year later because they grew apart as friends in the year between Everything changed. Yes. We heard them play. And I'm like, you know what? The song isn't the worst song in the world. Oh, 
but they introduce her. We're going to hear the song again. And they introduce the band as Zoe, because her name is Zoe, and we need to know this is her band. Mm-hmm. Zoe and the Hooks. Get ready to rock and roll with Zoe and the Hooks. It doesn't get any worse. Hold on, hold on. It doesn't get any worse. I'm going to repeat that. Zoe and the Hooks. Under what circumstance would she ever fucking name her band Zoe and the Hooks? It's so stupid. It's so obviously a little, huh? Eh? Uh-huh. Guys, it's the Hooks. Like the fisherman. <laughs> he guts people with hooks. And that's the name of her band. Huh? <laughs> eh? Eh? Sort of thing that is just so obnoxious. Yep. Here's this thing that happened to Zoe and all of her friends, this great tragedy involving a hook that scars her so much that it changes her personality, ruins her friendships, and now she's starting a rock band, and that she would then name her band Zoe and the Hooks. Mm-hmm. A band who is totally unimportant and non-existent. They, they say one line at one point, hey, are you ready, Zoe? Because she's the all-important one that they're waiting on. Yes. You know? And that's it. We barely even ever see their faces. Yes. Oh, my God. Zoe and the Hooks. Kelsey, Zoe and the Hooks. Yep. Like everything else in this movie, they thought about it for two seconds and then they put it in. Yep. I wrote down somewhere around here. I don't know that there's fucking anything redeeming about this. No. This might be a zero. Mm-hmm. It's very, very close. And then I wrote, oh, no. Because <laughs> my next note is about what gets revealed at the end of this night. So, first what happens to Zoe? He, like, pushes a dummy out of the way and then kills her. And he's behind the dummy. It's like a moment where you're supposed to be scared by the dummy and the, or not scared by the dummy because you see it's a dummy and then it really is him, I think, is the thing that they were going for. But all you could focus on is the dummy, so it wasn't a surprise when he came out of there. Yeah, and he attacks her on some balcony and Lance and Amber see it. Colby is passed out behind the bar and they're in like a chalet or something like that and so they find her body in this spotlight and everything else around it is pitch black (laughs) amber gets zoe's blood all over her hugging her and crying oh god (laughs) we weren't friends for the entire last year and i just made up with you yesterday oh god well still i am yes and then we hear the police are coming so they hide And then the sheriff comes in out of the shadows because, again, it's pitch black everywhere. Yes. And he comes out of the shadows to find Zoe. And then she sees a spider on Lance where they're hiding. I remember this. She swats it off of him and it makes noise. She goes (gasps) and hits it. And I think the spider was CG, which is remarkable because (laughs) the one redeeming thing that this movie had going for it is that so much of what was going on was practical. But it was a bunch of practical bullshit. Like, yeah, it may have been a fantastic job by the effects crew, maybe, (laughs) considering that it's a low budget and low turnaround time. But what it's supposed to represent is a whole lot of fucking nothing. Mm -hmm. There's like nothing going on. So, yes, I guess they wanted to CGI in this spider. (laughs) And so so they just get seen anyway immediately, but they're scared of the sheriff because it might be him. Yes. And you know exactly what's going to happen because he's standing going, what's going on? What's happening here? And then out from the shadows behind him comes the fisherman and kills the sheriff. Yep. 
And then Hafner, the deputy, shows up and you find out that he was good the whole time and then he gets killed. He thinks it's them because they're covered in blood. He found the hook in her trunk. And then when he tries to put them in the back of the cop car, Zoe's dead body is in there. That's, yes, it's you! You did it! It's you! And he's like, no, I didn't do it. And then he gets attacked, yep. but not before Hafner shoots him several times with a shotgun. And you're like, oh my god, hes they're trying to do a Michael Myers thing all of a sudden now. And you're, you're still at this point, you're thinking things are happening that there's no way that they could have happened. But certainly, it's not even in the realm of possibility that they're going to make this supernatural. And it's going to be somebody. But they're running out of people it could possibly fucking be because they're all dying. And then he gets these shotgun shots and you're like, no, they fucking wouldn't. They absolutely would not. And then he takes all the shotgun blasts and then he nut shots Hafner with the hook and then lifts him up and impales him on a forklift that's just out there. (laughs) And then we get a look at him somewhere in here as he's trying to attack. Oh, and he also killed Colby. And we get that shot thing somewhere in in here where the hook's in his mouth Mm -hmm. and he dies. But it's just Amber and Lance and... She attacks him with his hook and he screams like a Godzilla sort of Babadook scream. Where'd he go? I'm like, oh my God, they are certainly doing it. And then he starts bleeding blood, uh, black, black blood, blood. And they're like, they're fucking doing it. Mm-hmm. And then when Lance fights him in a hook against hook fight, I think that's where this is. So there are two hooks by now. Uh, we see his face. Because I told you he, that she pulled one off, and that's when she's like, this one has power. We can kill him with it. <laughs> so and they then he strap just has it to, again. They strap it to a crane. Like, they tie it to a crane, and then they're going to throw a crane at him and impale him that way. And it's like, just the completely contrived scenario that you're presenting in order for this to work, just stab him with it the way apparently you can stab everyone with one of these hooks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And we get to see his face, and it is the worst fucking makeup effects. It reminded me a lot of the Jeepers Creepers guy. Yeah, a little bit. And he's got these red eyes. It's very bad. And it's very, very bad. And I'm realizing now, I don't remember how they ultimately kill him. I do remember that she has this line of, the secret (sighs) dies. (sighs) With you. Yes, because <laughs> earlier earlier when after PJ had died, they made the vow and they were like, the secret dies with us. Uh-huh. And then now she's saying, yeah, the secret dies with you. I don't remember exactly how she killed him either, but I was writing, please end. Right. And I do remember there being an, okay, now what? Oh, I know what she does. When he attacks Lance, she shoves him into a snowblower with its its rotors turned up and he gets like chopped up and pulled in like in children of the corn part two, you know, where the, they're just the rotors on this giant machine are running and just pulls oh, him in. Yes. I do remember that. Yeah. And then I wrote, okay, now what? So they're both alive. Okay. Now what? And they have a fucking moment on the ambulance where they're, you know, I think we talked about this in the first movie too, where it's like the two survivors are talking to each other and the audience to people that are like in a position of power and need to know what's going on, but they don't 
want them to know what's going on. And so it's like, oh, our little secret, wink, wink. They have one of those moments. And they're like, he's never coming back again. No, it's worse than that. Yeah, what is the line? The line she says is something like, He won't bother anybody again. Yes. And then he says, Yeah, it's over. I wrote down, how do these people film this shit with a straight face? I don't know. I don't understand that. I guess. These are actors who do not get paid very much. This was very exciting to at least be in a franchise that people <laughs> might see. Yeah, maybe. I wrote down, okay, now what? It's one of those now what moments after a climax where, okay, now what? And we get another year is, later. No, but the solution is nobody fucking asks any questions. Oh. Just like earlier with PJ's death. Nobody asks any fucking questions. No. So it's okay. Everyone's dead and you don't have to explain anything. Nope. Okay, but yes, it's a year later now. And she blows a tire in the middle of nowhere and the fisherman gets her. And you're just like, okay. Yep. It ends was, like all the other movies it. ended. She got a flat tire and he came at her in the just middle like of her, nowhere. Just like her bicycle tire, at least. Yeah. But <sighs> she's outside or just in Nevada. <laughs> I don't, is Colorado too close to Nevada to not know how they pronounce it? I don't know. Anyway. <sighs> it was... In structure, trying to be exactly what number one was. And then they made it supernatural. And on top of all that, it's a garbage movie with a garbage script and garbage direction, garbage acting, and a garbage budget, obviously. And, like, it's a very bad movie. Like, even if this was an indie movie and just somebody trying their best, I would still (laughs) severely dislike it. Like, that's how bad it is. So what do you think this movie has on Rotten Tomatoes, Kelsey? I already know. What is it? It has a zero. Out of six reviews. No Metacritic. And of course, no cinema score because it was released direct video. Fun. Do you think a zero is overrated or underrated? I'm going to give it a two. I'm going to give it a two because I enjoyed the carnival scene. What carnival scene? The very beginning. When on the Ferris around. wheel? Well, no, but they're walking around. That is fun. Carnival. Just because it reminds you of the fair? <laughs> and I'm going to give it a point. Uh-huh. My second point. Yeah. I know you hate it, but at least it's a thought. At least it was something. Sure. They, they... They swung for the fences. They turned him into an urban legend. Our favorite UL. Just shoot for the moon. And if you miss, at least you'll end up in a pile of shit. (laughs) Two. I was thinking about, no joke, I was thinking about a two. And then I got to thinking about lifeblood. And... This has just about as many redeeming factors as Lifeblood does. Like, didn't we like What's-His-Face from Sandlot in that movie? Where we're yes. like, oh, he was fun. I think so. I don't know. It's been way too long and I'm not fucking watching that movie again. It's going to sit in my <laughs> my Apple video library for fucking ever. And I'm never watching it again. But I feel like this is the same sort of thing. Like, it's the same level. And I don't know how to express that without, I think probably in the same way that you don't give out a hundreds. <laughs> I think maybe you also don't give out as many zeros. I'm, I'm going to say I give out hundreds if it, it if it gets my highest recommendation 
I'll, I'll give it a hundred. It doesn't have to mean it's perfect. I'll say the same thing in reverse. Zero doesn't have to mean there's absolutely nothing redeeming about it. It just means in no circumstance, that's not true because I just did earlier, in no uncertain terms, I would not recommend anyone watch this movie. Yeah, absolutely. So I am going to give it a zero. Okay. This has an average score of one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That is our 4th of July weekend with... 1996's Independence Day. Happy Fourth of July. Happy Fourth of July. 2006's. I'll always know what you did last summer. A happy, slightly early episode in honor of Fourth of July, and because we missed last week, so you get this one a little bit early. Hopefully, Yay. you're you're listening to it on or before July Fourth. What are we watching next week, Kelsey? Next week, we are going to be watching a movie I've been waiting for a long time. Uh-huh. We're going to watch Rear Window. Oh, fuck yes! With Disturbia. Because of course. Yes. Of course. Of, th- of course that's the pairing you do. Love, love, love Rear Window. Me too. Like, the, I'm thinking of the holy trinity of Hitchcock movies. It's like Psycho, Rear Window, and Vertigo. Yes, there are plenty of good Hitchcock movies, don't get me wrong, but that's like the holy trinity <laughs> of them. Are we ever going to do, do we think that, yeah, I'd say Vertigo's a horror movie, right? Yeah. Probably my favorite Hitchcock movie. Probably. Really? It's a little yeah. over the top. Yeah. <laughs> Fun. I love Rear Window, though. Yeah, I Rear Window is just Rear superb. Window. Aside from the really skeezy age difference between the main love interests, but whatever. Love is love is love, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for that. Awesome. Okay, love me some Rear Window. And I think maybe I've seen Disturbia once. Disturbia! <laughs> oh, God. Every time. Disturbia! <laughs> I love that movie. I love both of them. You know that's going to play us out at the end of the episode. Oh, uh, yeah, right? you're going to have to play it a lot because I'm going to sing it a lot. <laughs> So look forward to that, everybody. <laughs> that is next week, Rear Window and Disturbia. Until then, you can always find us at our website, podcemetery.com. You can follow us on Twitter at podcemetery. Surely I posted some very cringy shit from I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe in your podcatcher of choice and rate and review. A five-star written review is the best help you can give us there. But even bigger than that is sharing us with your friends. And you know what? Even bigger than that is listening in the GD first place. Thank you all very, very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? All you need is love. John Lennon, smart man. Shot in the back. Very sad.
You take care of yourself, you hear? Garbage. You don't want to die a virgin, do you? He, yeah. Which is something he does, by the way, later on at the end of this canyon. He's going to like pull up and it's like, weren't no, you just- No, he ejects. Oh, you're- He ejects sorry, out I'm of sorry. his ship. Yep, let's back it up, back it up. You're absolutely right. Welcome to Earth. Hold on, give me two seconds. I will find it. And I will kill it. Kill it. I will find you. It's all very dramatic. We meet Dr. Oaken, played by Brett Spiner. Brent. Brent Spiner. Hi, boys. I'm back. Uh, in, the, in the words of my generation, up yours. Mm-hmm. Tell my family I love them. Jane from Take My Love, Take My Land. Serenity, but the TV show. Firefly. Firefly. I'm so excited. And I just can't have it. Vince. Vince? Lance. He won't bother anyone again. It's always fun when I give that little ending spiel. To see at what point does Kelsey reach for her phone because she hasn't thought of a last word. It's a great line. 